want to talk to you today about raising brave kids. Raising brave kids. Um, we've been in a series called How to Be Brave, and we've been, like I mentioned, uh, studying primarily from Philippians chapter 4. And I think of all the characteristics that we all want to see for our children, I think bravery would be very near the top. We just saw a little video that, that spoofed off of superhero movies and action movies. And if you look at what sells right now, if you look at entertainment in America, that is it, man. That is what the movies that everybody wants to go to are action movies and superhero movies. Why is that? Because there's something in us that is attracted to bravery. There's something in us that's attracted to courage. We love it when, when there's a situation that seems impossible and somebody is able to step up and overcome the odds. I truly believe that that's because God has placed inside of us uh, a, a desire for rescue because he knew he was sending Jesus. From the very beginning, he created us to know we needed rescue. But, but it fleshes out even in our entertainment. And I know for me, for our house, we want to raise brave kids. Nobody wants to raise cowards. Nobody wants to raise kids who are weak. We want to raise kids who are brave. And so we're in this series called How to Be Brave. And, and like I said, we've been studying primarily from Philippians 4. We're going to cheat a little bit today. We're going to look at Philippians 1 and 2 uh, and, and find some tips, find an example that's going to teach us how to raise brave kids. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 introduces for us the individual who we'll be learning from this week. Philippians 1 says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So, so Paul is writing this letter. You'll see as we go into the letter, he speaks in first person. But he says, you know what? There's somebody who's with me. There's somebody who's so close to me that I'm going to include him as, as somebody writing this letter. It's not just for me. It's for me and Timothy. And so we're going to look at Timothy today. You probably know a lot about Paul. You may not know so much about Timothy, but I think his example is going to be phenomenal for us today. Here's why I think Timothy's perfect for us. Timothy was raised by a dad who didn't know Jesus, but he had a faith-filled mom. In fact, he also had a faith-filled grandmother. So he got that heritage of faith uh, from their side. So if you're a parent, I think this message will speak to you. It will encourage you. It will be, there will be many things in here that you can glean and apply, whether you're a mom or a dad. But here's why I also love the story of Timothy. Because I know there's a lot of people here today who don't have kids as well. And this story is going to apply to you. Because you see the Apostle Paul multiple times, and I'm just going to show you two of them. He refers to Timothy as his son, his spiritual son. You see, Timothy didn't have a godly dad. And Paul was able to step into his life and mentor him and pour into him. And as far as we know, Paul never had children. We don't see any evidence of that in scripture. And so here's someone who, who didn't raise kids, but still saw the opportunity to father, still saw the opportunity to parent. And we're going to see how much the impact of Paul made on Timothy's life as well. So whether you have kids, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're, you're older, uh, man, whether you're younger, I believe this message is going to have things for you that are going to encourage you how to pour into the next generation, how to mentor the next generation to walk in bravery, courage, and faith. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to see the first example of Paul referring to Timothy as his son. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. He's not like everybody else. He compares him, contrasts him to the rest. He said, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So he says, just like the son would, would work with his father, Timothy has worked alongside me. And then he says it even more directly. We know that 
Paul wrote at least two letters to Timothy. Uh, and Timothy's the only individual that we see Paul write multiple letters to in Scripture. And so in Timothy chapter 1, says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So he even refers to Timothy as his true son in the faith. There was a special bond there, wasn't there? There was something exceptional there. I know as, as a former youth pastor who got to work alongside some incredible youth leaders for a long time, I saw men and women step in and spiritually father and spiritually mother young people. I've seen it in Kids City as well where, where someone will get a vision that, you know what, even though this isn't my kid, I've got a purpose in helping mentor them and helping raise them to be people of faith. So we're going to use examples from Timothy's life and discover today seven ways to raise brave kids. Let let me say two things to to preface this before we get into it. First of all, I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old and a 14-month-old. I don't by any means pretend to be an expert on raising brave kids. I know I am not the expert on this, but I do believe the Word of God is. Uh, and so what I want to do is simply turn you to things in Scripture that will, ex- that will encourage you, that will, that will speak to you. I'm not standing up here as somebody who has this figured out uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Secondly, I want to say this as well. I'm not saying that if you do these seven things, your kids are going to be perfect and they're never going to mess up and they're going to walk in faith and they're going to do everything right. Your kids are going to have the ability to make decisions for themselves, and they're going to have that opportunity and that responsibility. What I do believe, however, is that as we take these steps as, as fathers, as mothers, as mentors, as youth leaders, as kids workers, what we're doing is we are greatly increasing the chances that these young people will walk in faith, that will walk in courage, they'll walk in bravery. So all that being said, let's dive in. The first way for us to raise brave kids is, number one, ground them in the word. Ground them in the word. I referred to this when we were talking about baby dedications, but I want to show it to you in scripture. 2 Timothy 3.14 says this. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, for, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from those from whom you learned it. Verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When did Timothy start learning scripture? Infancy. Now, did Timothy start memorizing the Bible when he was seven months old? Of course not. How did he start knowing the Holy Scriptures when he was an infant? Somebody was reading it over him. Somebody was speaking it to him. Someone was saying, Timothy, check this. Now, I know it's so easy to think, you know what, they're too young. It's too early. They're not going to glean anything from this. But I believe there is value in reading God's word and covering them in God's word from a very, very early age. Every night I put my two-and-a-half-year-old son to bed. And when we go to bed, uh, we, we have a, a couple of rituals. One of them is we read two books. So we'll read one, and he gets to pick one book out. So whatever book he wants to read, and he always picks a book with, like, a bunch of pictures, and he can identify this and point to that, and, hey, ball and bridge, and, say, you know, show off his vocabulary, and we have a lot of fun picking that. But then Daddy picks the other book, and I always pick a, a, a bi- book with a Bible story. We actually have the thing I recommend the most for those of you who just dedicated your baby. Get the Jesus Storybook Bible. thing is awesome. Um, it's incredible. I read it to, to my son quite a bit. Um, and so can I just be honest? My two-and-a-half-year-old doesn't like the Bible stories half as much as he likes his Paw Patrol book or whatever other book he chose that night. Like usually by the time we get to the Bible story, he's up and he's running around the room and he's not paying any attention. And, and so often it's like, you know what, let me just put him to bed and not worry about this. But I am committed. I'm going to read the Bible over my kid. He's going to hear these things. He's going to get it in his spirit. He may not get it up here, but he's going to get it in here. 
even at this age. Um, it's something that, that I'm convicted has to be done. And I believe Timothy's mom got it. I believe she knew we're going to ground him in the word. And I encourage parents, no matter how old your kids are, get them grounded in the word of God. It's going to be the key for them to walk in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We can't walk in bravery. We can't walk in faith unless we know the word of God. Secondly, cover your kids in prayer. Philippians chapter 1, again, at the beginning, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, etc., etc. Well, what does he say from the beginning? He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing this. He's saying, hey, me and Timothy are putting this together. But he immediately starts speaking about, here's what I do. He's saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Paul was a man of prayer. Why did, why did Timothy fulfill such an incredible call of God's life? Why was Timothy an amazing man of God who, who we talk about 2,000 years after he lived? Because he had seen examples of prayer. He'd had a lot of prayers spoken over his life. A lot of people who had gone to bat for him. I, I remember, man, my mom... My mom's a prayer warrior. This is, my mom, is, her gift is an intercessory gift. And so she loves to pray way more than I love to pray. My mom's a way better prayer than I am. Uh, she spends a lot more time in prayer than I do. And I can remember so many times as a kid waking up in the middle of the night with my mom in my room praying over me. And I'm like, Mom, this is so weird. Like, get out of my room. Like, what are you doing? But I'm so grateful for a praying mom. There's so much trouble I didn't get into as a kid. There were times I tried to get in trouble, and I couldn't. Things that I tried to do that I knew were wrong that just did not work out. They just fell apart. And I believe with all my heart it's because I had a praying mom. I had a mom who was going before the Lord, covering me. I mean, she's praying over me. She's like, man, freaking me out and annoying me. And I can remember being so mad at her so many times. But now I look back, and I'm so grateful for a mom who would pray. I think there's so much value in, in parents who pray. Mark Batterson an incredible author. Uh, he wrote a book called Praying Circles Around Your Children. And my wife just finished this book. I haven't actually read it. I just read the cover. So let me preface it with that. But I found this quote on the cover, and I thought it was awesome enough to encourage you with this. Here's what Mark Batterson says. He says, you'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. You're not going to get it all right. You're going to mess up. We all mess up. You're not going to be a perfect Spiritual parent. You're not going to be a perfect example, a perfect role model, whatever that role is, but you can be a person of prayer. You have that opportunity. That's up to we, us. We have that ability to choose. You know what? I want to choose to be a praying parent. I want to be more like my mom. I want to scare the daylights out of my kids with prayer. I want them to know that their daddy loves them enough to cover them with prayer. Man, we got to cover them in prayer. Number three. If you want to raise brave kids, let them see you step out in faith. Let them see you step out in faith. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What lived in Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandmother? A sincere faith. Why was Timothy able to, to grow up and step out in faith, as we're going to see in just a minute, and do some incredible things for the kingdom of God? Because he had a mom who modeled it for him. He had a grandmother who he watched walk in faith, and it was because of their faith that was handed down to him. You've got to be willing to step out in faith in front of your kids and let them see you do it. Man, families here at City Church, if you're taking a step to believe God and, and to commit a certain amount of money for together we are brave, let your kids know what you're doing. Man, we're trusting God in this. And, it, man, if you're, if you're stepping out beyond and you're not even sure how it's going to work or how you're going to come up with the money, 
Tell your kids. We don't know how this is going to happen, but we're trusting God. We're taking a step of faith together. We're believing God for big things. Bring them in. I'm not just talking about that. This just because that's the, the current example that we have. Man, you're, you're reaching out to grandma. Maybe grandma doesn't know Jesus or another family member, aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so. Man, bring your kids in on the process. We're believing God together that they're going to come to Jesus. We're believing God that he's going to open the door for us to speak to them. Let them see you step out in faith. Let them know that you're doing it. Don't just do it behind closed doors. Don't just do it in the privacy uh, of your own life. But let your kids know we're trusting God. We're believing big, and we're stepping out in faith. Because when they see that, it's going to give them permission to do the same thing. Number four, here's the one that you're not going to like so much. Number four, let them take risks for the gospel. If you want to raise brave kids, bravery comes from taking risk. And as parents, we don't want our kids to have any risk, right? We want them to be protective. We want them to be safe. We don't want there to be any chance that anything could ever go wrong. Why did we just do baby dedications? Because we're giving the kids back to God. We're saying, God, you gave them to us, but we know they're yours. And we're trusting them to you. We're trusting them to your purpose, to the things that you have for our kids. You've got to let them take risks for the gospel. As a, as a youth pastor, I can't tell you how many times there were parents who, who said, you know what, we're not going to let our kid go on this particular mission trip because we're afraid it's not going to be safe enough. And if any of you are here, I'm not trying to condemn you or put you down. I love you. Thank you for letting your students be part of our youth ministry. But can I just say, since I'm not in youth ministry anymore, man, we got to do better than that. we got to trust God with our kids. We've got to allow them to take some risks for the gospel. If your kid wants to go across the world to tell people about Jesus, do every possible thing you can to make that happen. Make every sacrifice you have to make to make that happen. I don't care what you got to get up. That's going to be a life-changing experience for them. Let them take risks. Help them take risks. Man, I, I know some of you here, man, your kid did go on a mission trip last summer, and you took that risk, and you probably were praying every single day because they're in Los Angeles, and they're in the hood, and what can go wrong, and all those things. And, man, thank you for your faith. Thank you for trusting God. The things that God deposited in your young person's heart. Man, at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, that's going to make such a difference when they're 32. I promise you. Thank you for letting your kids take risks for the gospel. We've got to let them take risks. Look, what, look at the example of Timothy again. In Acts chapter 16, it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. So let me back up. This is the second time Paul's come to Lystra. Paul was a missionary. He's spreading the gospel. And, and he comes to this community called Lystra for the second time. The first time was in, in Acts chapter 14. It was a few years before. And Bible scholars believe that the first time Paul came to Lystra, that was the first time the gospel came to Lystra. And it was at that point in time that, that Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandma gave their lives to Jesus. They were God-fearing Jews. They'd been raised to, to know the Old Testament, but they didn't know about Jesus. And so Paul comes and tells them about Jesus. They grab hold of the faith. Timothy's a young teenager. He grabs hold of the faith. Now Paul's coming back through town. And look why he's coming back to Lystra. He says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Bible scholars believe Timothy was about 17 years old right now. So we can make a joke about Timothy's bravery at getting circumcised at 17. Uh, that's, that's one level, but that's not the bravery I'm talking about here. The bravery I'm referring to is 17 years old. His mom trusted a missionary who she probably knew for just a few months, who said, you know what, your, your son's got a call. Why don't you let him come with me? Why don't you let him travel with me? If you do anything about Paul's missionary travels, they were the exact opposite of safe. 
There was nothing about what Paul did that was defined as safe. Paul got shipwrecked multiple times. He got bitten by a snake. He got stoned. He got thrown in prison. He got beaten. He got flawed. If, flogged. If there's anything that could go wrong, it did for Paul, for the glory of Jesus. And that guy comes and says, hey, I want your son to go with me. Can you imagine the bravery of Eunice? Can you imagine just the, the internal struggle that she had as a mother? Man, this is my boy. We, we don't have record of her having any other children. As far as we know, Timothy may have been her only kid. The faith that she had to have to say, you know what? I love my son so much, but he's not mine. He's yours, God. And if you've got a purpose for him, if you've got something you want him to accomplish, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to release him knowing he, man, he may or may not come back. Who knows what will happen? He may get thrown in a prison here or there. Or any number of things could happen. But you know what? I trust God with my kid. You've got to let your kids take risks for the gospel. If you've got any desire whatsoever to take it, encourage it, fan it to flame, release them, help them to take those chances for the gospel. For, uh, number five, you want to raise brave kids? Number five, remind them what God has done for them. I love this one. Listen to this. First Timothy 4, Paul, the spiritual father, speaking to Timothy, he says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. In other words, there was something that God did inside you. There was something that God's spirit placed in you, and don't you dare forget about it. Man, you've got something to remind your kids about. Maybe you don't have some moment where elders prophesied over your kid and laid their hands on him, and God put a gift in your kid. But you've got a memory of what happened when that baby was born and, and the enemy tried to take their life. Or when you got in that car accident and it could have went another way and that kid could maybe wouldn't have survived. Remind them why they're still here. Remind them what God has done in their life. Speak those things over them. Man, my mom was the first person who told me I was going to be a pastor. And for about the first 12 years that she told me that, I had no desire whatsoever. I argued with her and I told her no. And I was going to be a professional athlete. And I got really close, except not close at all. Uh, and, and, and I had all these other plans for my own life. But mom was the one. She kept telling me, you're going to be in ministry. And my mom's got four kids. She didn't tell all four of us that. She, she told me, for whatever reason, she felt like God had revealed this to her at a very young age in my life. And I didn't want to hear it, but she was right. I'm so grateful that she told me. I'm so grateful she confessed that over me. She kept reminding me, there's something that God has for you. Don't go out there and blow it. Don't go out there and mess it up. God's got something for you. And maybe your kid's not called to be a pastor, and maybe your kid didn't have somebody lay hands and pray something on them. But your kid's got something special about them. There's something God's done in your child's life. Remind them. Remind them. Remind them. Keep that fresh on their minds that, man, God's got something special for you. Number six, if you want to raise brave kids, minister in front of them. We talked about taking steps of faith in front of them, and, and, and that can be the same thing, but sometimes it's not the same thing. So I want to make sure this is specific. Do ministry in front of them. 1 Timothy 2.2 2 says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people, who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, Paul's saying to Timothy, look, you've heard me teach other people about Jesus. I want you to teach other people the same way you heard me teach them. Exactly what you saw me do, exactly the way you saw me minister, exactly the way you saw me preach, I want you to minister the same way. Why? Because Timothy had seen Paul do ministry, his spiritual father. Now, you may not be a missionary. You may not be a pastor. You may not have that kind of ministry, but there's a ministry God's called you to. Man, the moment you became a Christian, God called you to ministry. He had a purpose for you when he brought you into his family. So, so maybe your ministry isn't standing on a stage with a microphone in your hand. Maybe your ministry is you're really good with your hands and you're good at fixing things. And so you tell your kid, you know what, Saturday morning we're going to go over to this single mom's house and we're going to help fix up her house. 
And that's going to be our ministry. That's how we're going to show the love of Jesus. Your ministry may be totally different than Paul and Timothy's ministry. Don't worry about what it looks like. What's your ministry? Let your kids see you minister. In other words, we're not just going over there because she's going to pay us 50 bucks. We're going over there because we're showing the love of Jesus. That's our purpose in it. We're not doing this for us. We're doing this to help somebody else. Your kids need to see you do ministry because God's going to call them to ministry. God's going to place something in their heart. And they need to know, you know what, the same way that dad stepped out, the same way that mom stepped out, I want to be just like that. It's even going to cause them to start wrestling with, okay, maybe I don't like fixing stuff. Maybe I'm not good with it. Maybe God's called me to something different. What does God actually have for me? And start looking at what's God placed in their heart. What's the gift that he's given them? Do some ministry in front of your kids. And lastly, if you want to build brave kids, if you want to raise brave kids, this one, number seven, I don't have a scripture reference for this one. So you can throw this one out. If you want it to be six ways to raise brave kids, you can just stop right there. You can get comfortable. This one's just from my heart. This is what I felt like God laid on my heart this week. So I'm going to share it with you, and you can take it or leave it. Here's what I believe, though, and I believe this very strongly. Number seven, if you want to raise brave, uh, brave kids, build a culture of encouragement and challenge. See, I think there's two reasons why we miss it. And, and so many kids today don't grow up very brave. That's why we got 35-year-olds that, that, that never take that step, uh, that, that are still living like kids, playing Xbox all day, all that kind of stuff, right? Like That's why we have the, that, that era of, of extended adolescence going on. Well, here's how we can raise brave kids. Number one, build a culture of encouragement. In other words, speak life over them, and speak life over them again, and speak life over them again, and speak life over them again. Proverbs says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Now, I don't think that means that the things that you say, literally, like I say, hey, I'm going to get a Ferrari. I'm not going to walk out in the, the parking lot, and there's a Ferrari waiting for me, right? I don't think it's like that, but I think the things that we speak over people, I have the ability to speak life or death over somebody, over my kid's heart. I have the ability to encourage them to build them up or the ability to tear them down. We've got the power of life and death in the tongue. So encourage, 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 encourage. Tell them great things about themselves. Tell them what the word of God says over them. Speak those things over them. Build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up. But here's what we miss it, because I think a lot of times we're good at the building up part, but we don't set the bar high. Build a culture of encouragement and challenge. And what we see a lot of times, having worked with so many teenagers and, and, and been involved in that culture right now, there's a lot of kids who grow up with really low bars. There's not a lot of expectations on them. Mom and dad aren't asking much of them. And, and so we're good at building them up and telling them how special they are. But if all we do is build them up and tell them how special they are, but we don't actually expect them to walk in specialness and accomplish special things, all we do is we give them a culture of entitlement. That, man, everything revolves around me. I expect everything. So build them up, man. I'm not telling you not to. Give them that encouragement. Tell them awesome things about themselves. But give them a high bar. Expect great things out of them because you're telling them they're great. How can you tell them that they're great but not expect anything out of them? So, man, my, my parents, I remember my, my dad used to say this all the time, right? Well, we're not raising so-and-so. I'd be like, oh, but so-and-so gets to do this and so-and-so gets to do that. Well, we're not raising so-and-so. And, and so often I think we lower our expectations to the culture around us. Well, this is the way that other people are raising their kids, and this is the way that it's happening there. Man, we got to raise the bar. Expect great things out of your kids. Challenge them, challenge them, challenge them. And when they miss it, when they fail, Build them back up. Remember, culture of encouragement. 
Build them up again, build them up again, build them up again, because they'll miss it. But that doesn't mean that we come back and we lower the bar. First time my dad ever told me that, that I remember anyway, I was about 11 years old, and we had some neighbors down the street, and they were buying the $400 package of fireworks for the 4th of July. And I was so jealous. And I was like, we were buying like the $20 package. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Dad, but Joey's dad, he's getting the $400 package. And dad says, well, I ain't raising Joey. Uh, and, and I did not want to hear that. And he told me that in many other times and many other ways when I, when I wanted my parents to be like everybody else's parents. I said, you know what? I can't be responsible for how somebody else is raising their kids. I'm going to be responsible for the way we're raising you. And we're not going to lower the bar. We lived in Seattle, Washington, in a, in a bad part of the country, in a bad part of the city, where there were not any other Christians around us. It was just us. And my dad said, no, we're not going to raise you the way that everybody else raises their kids. We're not going to live the way everybody else lives. God's called us to something greater. And I'm so glad that my parents had a higher bar for me, as much as I hated it. As much as I did not enjoy it and I got mad, I'm so glad that my parents had a high bar. So, man, have a culture of encouragement. Build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up. But as you build them up, don't lower the bar. Keep the bar high. And if you set the bar high, then they're going to have to aim for greatness. They're going to have to believe, God, that you know what? Mom and dad believe in me. They think I can actually accomplish some things that nobody else is accomplishing. They think I can actually strive for something that nobody else is doing. I'm going to shoot for that. I'm going to believe, God, that there actually is greatness in me. Not because I'm special, but because the spirit of God in me is special. And he's called me to something great. Give him a culture of encouragement and a culture of challenge. And if we'll do those seven things, again, I can't promise you your kid's going to be a missionary or a worship leader or your kid's never going to mess up. And none, I can't promise you any of that. But I do believe with all my heart you're going to be positioning your kids to walk in bravery, to walk in courage, to walk in faith. And, man, this world needs some people who will do that. This, need worlds a gener- this, this world needs a generation that will step out in faith and will believe God for big things. And we have the opportunity to help shape that, just like Eunice did, just like Lois did, just like Paul did with Timothy. Let's pray.